Well, welcome to In the Booth. Now, last week we didn't have a name. This week we got a name, kind of. Uh, well, at least we got somewhere with it. Uh, Phil Harris, wrong with Randall Cunningham, QB1, and my friend Phil Harris. What's up today, Phil? Oh, not too much. It's been a busy day, but uh, sit down for a minute, for a few minutes and uh, relax and talk a little bit of sports. Well, Phil, um, I'm going to start with something tonight. First, we're calling this uh, a 33 podcast production. Uh, that name didn't come lightly. That's that's a pretty big deal to both you and me. If you, you just want to explain real quick where the 33 comes from. Well, you know, it's kind of sort of maybe it's a conversation piece. I don't know if it'll last as being a uh, title of the show. Uh, if you want to call it a platform, yeah, uh, there's you know, not there's a lot of different ways of looking at it, but it has a little symbolism, also a little bit of coincidence. Uh, but you, you know, as we've talked about before, I had a liver transplant and I'm three years out, uh, from that. Uh, from uh, 2020, I had my liver transplant in February. Well, the young man that was the organ donor for my liver happened to be, he was 33 years old, went into cardiac arrest. And for him being an organ donor, I sit here today. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I probably would not be here if it wasn't for him. There may have been another donor that came along, but God made it possible for this young man. I received his, uh, received his liver. Well, I was looking through notes where Chrissy was making notes about when I had my liver transplant. Yep. And it dawned on me. Well, the young man was 33 years old. You know, how old was Jesus Christ when he sacrificed his life for us? He's the same age, yeah. 33 years old. So that has a lot of symbolism for me. And, you know, I don't know really if it gives us a platform, but it gives us a good conversation piece and kind of to show everybody kind of the way our thinking is. Uh, because absolutely and that's what it's about Phil and and, and you know um, I, you're not much to brag on yourself so I'll do a little bit of it um, you're this is a little more than just a platform for you I love the name and you know maybe we just call it this for a while but you're you're undertaking some some athletic endeavors to the father, your message along too, that, that, that is real exciting. Yeah. I, you know, I'm trying to get into, you know, more into, you know, the, the field that I have a communications degree. So I'm wanting to get into a bigger field of maybe sports administration, that type of thing, uh, maybe more into my radio broadcasting. Uh, I'm getting a little bit more into the public speaking, uh, Agenda. I know right now I'm going to try to be an ambassador for the legacy of hope, which means I'll go around and speak to different <laughs> places, different churches, different areas, and talk about how important organ donation is. Right. But it'll also give me a chance to share my story, which is a very strong testimony. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Phil. And, and, and you've made a, uh, for, for those that don't know, Phil finished his degree in the middle of this, which I, you know, I don't even know how you did it. Um, and it's opened up some different channels for you. And it's wonderful. Phil works. And I went through this as a viewer of his family. And 
what he went through. And it was amazing, Phil. You were sick one day and healthy the next day. It's almost yeah, that fast. It, it, hey, it was a long, it was a long road, but by the grace of God, I'm here today. Uh, but I owe a lot to uh, being here, you know, and when I speak to the Lord about it is, you know, why, why am I still here? He just, the only answer I get is your work's not done here. I don't get any other answers. So it's up to me to honor him for the rest of my life. Yep, absolutely. And, and the beauty of it is, is we have been lucky that, that we've had a second career, both of us in the sports media, that's been fun. And we've had a great yeah. time doing this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, you went through a lot with your wreck. And, yeah. And, you know, getting back on your feet. Matter of fact, two wrecks kind of sidetracked you uh, for a period of time. But, uh, you know, the you know the devil's not going to keep a good man down long. You know, he's going to keep fighting. Uh, and uh, always something positive comes out of tragedies and things that happen bad in your life. And, you know, and maybe sometime. You know, I'm sure you've got a strong testimony. I have a strong testimony. Uh, maybe we can share that at some point on one of our podcasts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Phil, um, moving away from our personal lives a little bit, and I thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, heading towards sports, uh, I know one subject uh, that I want to talk about with you because you're in that area is um, I've heard some things, some grumblings underground. Uh, about Northeast relaunching Northeast Alabama Community College. And I, I believe it's in DeKalb County. I know it's close to Jackson, but I, I believe it resides in DeKalb County, Alabama. Uh, some some rumblings about them starting up a some kind of sports program, Phil. Have you heard anything about it down yes, your way? Yes, matter of fact, it's right on that line. I, you know, I, I attended Northeast College. I didn't get an associate's degree from there, but I – I like three classes, but uh, it has a special place in my heart. But yes, they are starting up their athletic program. As a matter of fact, I talked to the dean today. We had a pretty good conversation about what the future holds. They already have golf implemented, men's and women's golf. That's going well for them. They've got tr uh, cross-country coming in in the fall, which will start. I know that they're in the process of hiring a softball coach. And wow. They're fixing to build a big complex. And so <clears throat> there's other endeavors they're looking at. You know, some people say, well, what about basketball? Well, I think that would be something that would be way down the line. You know how expensive that is yeah. and how hard to compete in basketball it is. But, you know, you never know uh, what may come. Uh, I think they want to have a softball program because they think they can be successful with the kids in our area. And as a matter of fact, our, broad our podcast area. There's a lot of great girls softball players uh, mm -hmm. that they will be going after, and you'll give them the opportunity to play at the next level. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think it's an exciting time for Northeast College right now. You know, and it adds so much. Even though it's a community college, a two-year school, it adds so much to the environment of the school. Uh, I have a friend that played baseball at Chattanooga State, and you would be shocked to go watch a baseball game at Chattanooga State to see how many people are there and how much excitement they are around the program. Uh, I guess we get immune to it living in the communities, but they really are a core of families and kids looking for an outlet to play. Yeah. Well, you know, me and Chad Gorman, I talked about that today is, 
there's some great players out there. Like you're talking about at Chattanooga State. Well, the problem is with a lot of those kids, academics is their issue. Mm-hmm. So they get into the junior college because it's a, it's easy to get in and be eligible. And there's some quality players, and a lot of them goes on to, to bigger things. Absolutely. It's just they have to work on their academics first. Uh, absolutely. Academics. And I'll tell you something else that gets overlooked, Bill. Kids who mature later than others. Not every kid is fully matured at 18 years old. How many football recruits have we saw over the years that might end up at uh, Division One, Maryville, but ends up ends up being uh, a high major player or even my TV popped on. Sorry about that. Um, a high major player or or someone that goes to Northwest Mississippi and plays football and then hits a growth spurt and suddenly they're a, a D one athlete. Same thing can happen in softball. Same thing can happen in track. Same thing can happen in golf. Yeah, yeah. Some of them, you know, hit puberty later, especially boys, and they'll hit that growth spurt. You know, uh, you, you just you don't ever know. Uh, you know, and sometimes you know schools will take a chance on, hey, we think this kid's going to be, and they'll take a chance. They, you know, yeah. they'll take a chance on them. Some of them grow into being great players. You know, and those are the kind I think you want to use because they become role players. They become dedicated. Uh, they know that they've gotten there because of their, you know, their effort and, you know, not necessarily athleticism and, uh, and they have to constantly prove themselves. So they turn out to be valuable people in your program. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, the thing about it is not everybody was meant to play football at Tennessee. Not everybody was meant to play football at Alabama. Not everybody was meant to play softball at Oklahoma. And it's a way to father your education, get to play sports, which which everybody loves. Yes, definitely. So, I mean, you know, you can move mountains with a mustard seed. So, you know, if it's God's will, he's going to make it happen. Or, you know, sometimes you have a big say-so in it. But uh, God can move mountains. You just got to be the one there to give the effort. Well, we'll keep everybody up to date uh, as we get information and feel Will you be, you know, you'll be in that area. Anytime you get new information about Northeast, please bring it to the podcast and let's, let's follow this closer. Yeah, sure. Well, I think we have kind of sort of have an understanding maybe when they name a softball coach that uh, maybe we can have them on him or her, whomever they hire, uh, because they're in the process of hiring right now. So maybe then we can have them on the show and start, you know, helping them out when it comes to recruiting time. Absolutely. And you know, the other thing, that's always wonderful that we can help with is as they do fundraisers and as they do different stuff, we will be happy to be involved in that and advertise for them and post and do whatever is necessary to, to try to put their name out there, Phil. Yeah, definitely. So, and of course, people like you, they're big pillars in the community. You can write fat checks sometimes, can't you? I can write a fat check. It'll bounce. <laughs> But it'll weigh it'll weigh about two hundred pounds. Um, but it ain't worth nothing. Hey, you ever saw the Clampett episode where Granny had big money hid, and it turned out it was Confederate money? I think it was the story. So that's kind of yeah. that's kind of me. I got big money. It's just not good anymore. Well, if you're like me, I have that monopoly money. Yes, yes, I I I, I understand what you are saying. I understand well. 
All right, Phil. Um, let's jump over to the College World Series and a little bit what's going on with that. Um, have you been able to follow the College World Series much? Well, a little bit. I saw where LSU had won the, you know, the opening game with a two-run uh-huh. homer late, uh, walk-off two-run homer, and boy, then Florida turned it on yesterday. I mean, they could do no wrong. It just you know, set all kinds of records and beat LSU 24 to four. So it's, uh, tonight's the best of three. It's the championship game. And boy, the SEC being represented well right now in college baseball, you know, it used to be all the great baseball teams used to be out West. Ain't it, ain't it crazy how the SEC dominates now is dominating in, in college baseball. It is. And, you know, uh, of course the balls made it to the world series and they get beat. Um, by this LSU team, um, and, and and you know you've got LSU sitting here uh, playing for a, a championship, and, and their path has been beating Tennessee twice, and to get there they got to beat Florida twice. So that's that's pretty impressive if you're an SEC. And I know the game's ongoing right now. We won't give an update uh, in case somebody's listening and recording. But the game is ongoing. Uh, I think first pitch was at 7 o'clock today. Uh, so yeah. that's going to be a lot of fun. Did you see LSU's pitcher uh, screen that had transferred from uh, uh, Air Force and now pitched at um, LSU? Did you see him throwing in the low 90s uh, in the in the seventh inning? Uh, are you talking about in game one when they played Tennessee? Yes. Yeah, yes, he he is just amazing what he blossomed into, you know. And I think in, in the story behind that is that he's gonna uh, finish at LSU and then go back to the Air Force Academy. I I think he's gonna try his hand at professional at baseball, baseball first, first oh, okay. because he's uh, as I understand he's gonna be the first pick and the uh, first pitcher took in it. Major League Baseball draft. So I expect that he will go do that first. But he said in an interview recently that his plans were to go back and join the military at some point. Yeah, serve his country, which would be an honorable thing to do. Yeah, I mean, and uh, the thing I saw, Phil, that is when he left, he said it was the hardest decision of his life. Uh, But, you know, if you've grown up playing baseball, and you want to pursue that as a profession. Uh, I, and he's such a good kid. I don't think anybody can blame him for wanting to pursue an MLB career. There's talk of him not even going to the minors, that he may get drafted and be moved straight straight into a major league roster. Yeah, that, that's one of them where we could go ahead and get him up there before he changes his mind. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm watching the game. And let me just say right now, our folks south of us is probably a little happier than the folks south and west of us. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but crazy enough, Phil, this, this talk about baseball and we've been watching the College World Series uh, in softball, it got us talking about something. It got us talking about ERA. Now, Phil, I, I'm telling you, when I was a kid, I read the back of baseball cards non-stop and i got one that once told me how to calculate era yeah and to this day i probably couldn't you know and even got a degree in math 
Maddox from the University of Tennessee. Uh, I, I I could probably do ERA where I couldn't do a, a, a equation, a algebra equation for anything. Yeah. It's kind of a stat that's crazy how you figure it up. And it's different between softball and baseball. Tell me, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, our, our system, most everything's based on base 10. You know, most everything is our number system is base 10. Yeah. But a lot of things, and people don't really think about this a whole lot, but like our clock, it's a base 12. You know, so, you know, so, you know when it's 15 after, it's a quarter after. Right. So that's a base 12. Okay. In our number system, a one is a one. So, you know, and it, it can be complicated. It's not. In my head, it's not complicated. But baseball, as you see, it's nine inning game. So the everything is based on a nine, uh, base nine scale. And I took this class in college, and I watched people's mind blow up. But I loved it. I mean, you, you know <laughs> how to do this. But you know, basically, you know, and a lot of people don't know. You, you go. I'm going to give you an example, like you know, to try not to be too complicated with it. But say, you know, you're you're going to pitch a nine-inning game. You're not pitching a ten-inning game. So that means if, say, you give up one run in a game, well, your ERA is not one in a game because it's a nine-inning game, not a ten-inning game. And if, if games were a ten-innings, it would be – your ERA would be 1.00 because you give up one run per ten innings. Right. In baseball, it's a nine-inning game. So what you have to do, you have to take innings pitch – and divide that by nine. And we're going to give an example. Say you've pitched 45 innings. You divide that by nine. That gives you a five. Okay. All right. During those 45 innings, you gave up nine earned runs, let's say, in 45 innings pitch. So then what you do, you take that 45, which is divided by nine, which gives you a five. And then to figure your ERA, you take that five, divide it by nine, which is how many earned runs you gave up, and your ERA is going to be 5.55. And that's how, you know, you kind of base a pitcher's stats. So, you know, so if he's got a two ERA, that means he gives up two innings per nine innings pitch. You know, it's kind of simple, but a lot of people, you know, that you watch baseball games and they're going to show you these things. You know, and then like softball, softball's a seven-inning game. So it's a innings pitch divided by seven. And then you divide that number by how many earned runs you give up, and that's how you figure out a softball player's ERA because they play seventies, and that's the same way with high school baseball. Yes, yes, and and I was talking about this with somebody in um, my office today, and their son plays high school baseball, and they were educating me on it, and they also brought up OBS, which we've talked about is kind of. A crazy stat, but why is OBS now such a big deal? I, I think it has to do with negotiating contracts because it really, to me, you know, I want to know what a player's batting average is and his own base percentage. So his own base percentage is a factor of walks, hit by pitch, even if he gets on on an error. You know, his own base percentage because a guy can hit 265 at a leadoff but if he walks X number of times, his own base percentage might be he might get on thirty five percent of the time. Right, that's what you want. Somehow, some way, you want him on base. Well, your slugger hitters are not going to have that great of an on base percentage. You know, you you want them to have the power numbers. 
and uh, that you know, and that's slugging percentage because you want them to hit the for uh, the home run because that gives you you get four bases, so that's your slugging percentage. But uh, you know, I just don't understand the big thing with OBS because it's the sum of a player's on base percentage and the slugging percentage together. Right. I just don't see where that has a whole lot of mess of beans other than it just gives people something else to talk about. You know, and the thing about the you talked about the on base percentage. If you've ever watched the moon money uh the movie Moneyball, that's the whole premise of the movie was Phil. They were trying to replace a player by having their same on base percentage. Uh, I remember in the movie they made the example of Jeremy Giambi um, got on base 3.43 times, and they were going to take – they had three players, and they were going to try to replace his 3.3 times by using – I remember two of the players, one of them was Scott Heidelberg, and the other one was Dave Justice. And they said the combination of those two players would get on base as much as Scott Heidelberg. I mean, it's – much as Jason Giambi would. And, and and that made sense to me, you know? Yeah. But see, that was, see now they've, come, they've implemented that, exactly what you're talking about, into, and you'll see it on the baseball stats, when the players' OPS comes up, you'll see that. And I mean, people really don't understand that. Yeah. But, you know, that has to do with the other side, to me, of baseball. It's not really a fan stat. Yeah. You know, so that's why, but that's the reason that's thrown out there is for the people that really keep up with baseball. With me, I want to know ERA, win loss record, batting average, how many homers, how many RBIs. That's the important thing. Absolutely. I, I, you know, uh, ESPN doesn't show the batting average uh, on their front page. You have to go into the whole stats page. And, and that's, I, 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 that's, I grew up where you knew that the main numbers was uh, your percentage. Of course, you're hitting, you're hitting 300, 30 home runs and a hundred RBIs. That was considered the bell cow of a year. If you had 30 home runs and a hundred RBIs. So, yeah. all right, Phil, let's move on a little bit away from baseball, which um, we, we, we don't talk enough about, but we, you know, it's kind of, I'm sure as the Braves get farther in the playoffs, we'll talk more about it. I want to I want to go a little farther down the road, and we talk a lot about the bigger schools, but Jacksonville State made one of the most interesting hires in college football this year. Tell me a little bit about their hire and how is the people in Jacksonville reacting to having him uh, there and the excitement around the football program? Well, for a long time, I think their plan has been getting to the FBS levels. That were our bowl championship series, yeah, yes. FBS level. Well, they've been in the FCS level. Okay. Well, this past year they were in the Atlantic Sun Conference. Uh, this year they moved to Conference USA, and that has the likes of say Louisiana Tech, Florida International, UTEP, those type of teams. Yes. Well. They are continuing to grow. Greg Sites, the athletic director, he's been there through all this. Well, they came from the Gulf South Conference Division Two several years ago and have moved their way up, and he's done an excellent job. 
Jacksonville State, is growing. They're now expanding the stadium. When I went to, I went to the, one of the football camps. They've expanded. They're expanding the stadium on one end, and that's Burgess. It used to be Paul Snow Stadium. It's now yeah. Burgess Snow Field at Jacksonville State. And then they're also building a five or six million dollar indoor practice facility. I thought I saw their practice facility. It has worked well for what they've had, but they need a bigger one because I mean they're playing high level football. They play at South Carolina. They host uh, Louisiana Tech. You know, yeah. they got some some big names coming in. I know they signed a home and home with Southern Miss coming up. So Jacksonville State is on the march upward. And I sort of kind of keep up with him because when I did basketball, I spent a lot of time down at Jacksonville State and kind of got to know Greg Sykes a little bit. He was sports and information director then. So I kind of sort of, you know, on the backside, I love UTC. I also like yeah. Jacksonville State. I want them to do well. And now they're at the Conference USA. It really makes you want to be a Jacksonville State fan. And of course, you know, they have season ticket packages available. I think their games are $75 a piece maybe. Uh but there's some excellent games, excellent teams coming to Jacksonville State. Well, you know, Troy did this a couple of years ago and, and have, has done it with some decent success. Uh, Jacksonville State uh, is, you know, as they've moved up from Division Two to FCS to uh, FBS now, you know, this is a hard time to move up. And I, I really, really respect them for moving up, but they stepped out when they made this hire, Phil, a quality. A few years ago, he was within a snap of winning a national championship into hiring the new head coach at Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, Rich Rodriguez, he's done it. I think they went, I want to say they went 9-2 and two or 8-3 and three last year. I can't remember right offhand. Right. But Rich has done a great job. I watched him at the camp. He is very engaged with the players. Uh-huh. You know, he ran, it's his camp, and he ran the camp, and he had a lot to do. He was very motivating to the kids. You could hear him speak. We were far far away from him. You couldn't hear everything. But he, uh, and, you know, he ran a good camp. You know, I was very impressed. So I think the future of Jackson State football is very good. Now, you know, they're going from the Atlantic Sun up to Conference USA. going to be tough. Mm-hmm. I think Jacksonville State do well. They have a great recruiting base. They're in a good area to get some great football yeah. players. And a lot of times they'll get some transfers in from players that can't quite make it at your LSUs or your Auburns and places like that will end up down in Jacksonville State. You know, in Rich Rodriguez's resume, West Virginia, he had several top five teams, came within losing to South Florida late in the year of uh, being in the national championship game. Then he went to Michigan and kind of, you know, I, I don't think he ever fit that Michigan man um, term. And then out to Arizona. So this is one of the veteran coaches uh, in America now at Jacksonville State. Uh, and people can say yes or no, it really happened. But were room, strong rumors at one point when he took the Michigan job, he was a candidate at Alabama, and oh, he had, he had the job. Yes, he is. He turned it down. He he left Alabama with the job in hand and went back home and changed his mind. He was going to be the Alabama coach for Nick Saban. Was yep. crazy how destiny works out. But he turned down the job, and that made Alabama go after Nick Saban hard. Yep, and, and so, probably know, the best thing Alabama. And, and it, 
Yeah, I mean, you don't know what's going to happen because timing is everything. And it, maybe it just wasn't time for Rich Rodriguez to be there. You know, maybe he didn't feel like he fit there. I mean, there's a lot of reasons. You don't know. You don't know the behind-the-scenes story. But for whatever reason, he turned the job down, and then Nick Saban came along. Yep. And, and made an All-American of Pat White, a kid from Alabama at West Virginia. Uh, it, he finds different as. I think a lot of times you hope that the five foot eleven quarterback at that point of view in life was getting overlooked, but he's able to find athletes that can be athletic and do different stuff, and put them in that offense that he runs, which is a spread run based offense that is just yeah, unique. He, he is going to throw the ball all over the lot. They're going to pile up the points they did last year. I mean, several times they scored over forty points. They're going to sling the football around. You know, if kids are going to play there, they better know how to pass the ball. And, and they're going to have fun. It's just like playing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think um, the overall um, program image is now in the North Alabama area? What do you, are you, were you saying? Like high school? No, no, at Jacksonville State. The, the folks – Around there now, start rallying to Jacksonville State, and well, I think you know, kind of the maximum. It's kind of like we are with, with Chattanooga. You know, they're kind of the, the little brother, but you root for them, right? And like I've got a nephew. Uh, we had some tickets we gave away. I got in touch with Greg Sites and the Sports Information Department donated four tickets to a fundraiser we had, and a lady that's the, right now the mayor of Hammondville won the tickets. And she was all excited about it. So my nephew, he was wanting to go. He wanted to go see him play. Is it Louisiana Tech or somebody else? And he, you know, he really wanted to win them. So it goes to show you they're bringing in some bigger names. They're gathering a few more fans. And I'm more likely to go down there and watch them play sometime if I get an opportunity. You know, a lot of their games are on TV, and they've got two. I know they've got two Tuesday night games. Excellent. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. That would be a lot of fun. That would be a lot. You know, and it's good to see a great university like Jack State get, you know, um, maybe in the situation to get some some publicity when in the past they didn't have it. And, of course, that Burgess Stadium, for people that watch, is uh, Rick and Bubba's show or listens to the Rick and Bubba. That is yeah. Rick Burgess's dad, correct? Coach yeah. Burgess was? Yes. yes, it is. He gave he, he, – uh, uh, as, as a matter of fact, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I heard that uh, he was inducted into the uh, Gulf South Conference Hall of Fame. Yes. I think it was Rick Burgess' day. I think it was yeah, him that got inducted here just recently. Uh, yeah, so they have a huge following, you know, and, and I, I think they're going to do well. You know, and they call themselves the friendliest campus in the South. Yes, you're correct. And and it is. I've been there a couple of times, and it's really, um, it's it's different than Chattanooga, in, in that Jacksonville's not a big city, and it's definitely got that college vibe to it still. Yes, yeah, yeah. The town is the college, really. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Phil, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. I know I've I've asked you a bunch of open-ended questions. But I do have something I want to give a little update. Tomorrow here on River City Media, our friend Howie Chaney and myself 
we'll have an interview with Clayton Lee Powell, who is from Georgia Tech, made all ACC last year, Phil, uh, as a freshman, freshman all ACC. He's been a previous guest of on here. Uh, great young man. And also we're going to have Coco Kendricks from Hickson High School, who is currently being recruited out there by a couple of different places. So tomorrow we're going to have uh, two special shows at 7 and 8 o'clock tomorrow. So if you'll join us, that would be awesome. So, um, Yes, yeah, because, you know, promoting these young people, and that's what we want to do. Is yeah. We're working on getting some interviews with some players, uh, you know, especially at the college level where we can find out things. Of course, we always want to have coaches on give us their input on things but that's what you know that's what we're you know we want to do trying to get things lined up for that kind of thing rather than just be me and you because it's easy to turn me and you off oh yeah and you know i've listened to me and you we're not we're not that entertaining (laughs) i I, unless you're at the waffle house about three o'clock in the morning and uh we just beat somebody so then we can be entertaining but now, if you got now if you got Howie on, you don't have to worry about losing an audience because he's the man. Yeah, yeah. Well, Howie Chaney is the 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 face of River City Media. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, All right. and okay. Uh, uh, of course, we want to get on here and get started. But yeah, we are working towards what we said last week is having having interviews with local kids, having interviews like at Northeast as they grow, being able to find some people to interview and, and you know what, it'll come just bear with us. And when high school football starts, we've got a unique perspective feel at QSB. I, I guess y'all go from one, one border of the state to the other one field. Is that not correct? Well, it's actually the largest, uh, the highest rated school board show in Alabama. Touch what we do. And, you know, and I, I don't, you know, I don't really like this, you know, pat us on the back, but Jeff and I get to do what we love to do, and uh, it's a blessing. Uh, I know he enjoys it. He's a lot more the professional, keeps us on track, keeps us going. Uh, I'm more behind the fly by the seat of my pants, but we work well together. We comp- Chrissy made it a good, uh, she said we complement each other, and that's, you know, and, and that's true. Uh, because we have a little bit different personalities, uh, and, and but it works so well together. It, it's just it's been a joy to work with Jeff for the last fifteen years, and I couldn't ask for a better person to work with. Absolutely, and I, I of course, uh, I, I do Scotch County football on country roads, and it takes me all over this East Tennessee, and I get to see some of the better teams. But it's strange when I leave. And I still have an allegiance to Alabama and friends down there. When I leave, I always listen to QSB's scoreboard show via the internet, even though I'm 100 miles away, because I generally get the Tennessee scores while I'm doing Squatchie County games. So none of the scores that, of Alabama do I have when I end the game. So I want to jump out there and listen to you and Jeff always. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know we have a great time, and it's great when we can have guests on. You know, coaches will call in, and they look forward to calling in, and we try to ask some good questions and try to find trying to find some behind the scenes looks besides who won and who played well. You know, we want to know what's going on with the program, uh, kid, uh, stories behind the kids that play, 
because uh, it's about them. It's about the kids that are playing communities and, and all those things. And, and definitely we're always interested when they go to the next level because it don't matter what color you wear. Oh, we no. want you to be successful in the game of life. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Now, listen, you don't have to talk to Tyler Rand after a loss, though. I do every week at, at Sylvania High School. So let me just tell you, Coach Van, great interview on games we win. Get, lo, losing that night on Wednesday night can be a little rough, Bill. So that's all I'm going to say. Ah, uh, man, yeah, he's, he's all right. He'll be okay. Yeah, great. It's great. We have a great relationship with Coach Van here at River City Media. He's a good well, guy. You know, I, and I think he's the type of person, too. He's as disappointed for the kids as Absolutely. he is himself. I think, Absolutely. It, I think that's what it is. It, he feels like he failed the kids if they lose. And, and we, did, we, we set him up one time, Bill. Had his wife on as a special guest, and have her had her ask him if he was going to get any more fifteen yard penalties since he had blown up the light the week before. So he still haven't forgiven us for that one. So me or Hallie wouldn't ask him that, but how can he get mad at his beautiful wife? So yeah, oh yeah. So y'all fixed him up good. Yeah, yeah. Coach Van, great friend of the program, um, and and hey. It, they better not play bad music at practice either because we get him right after practice. He'll give you a music critique in a heartbeat. So, <laughs> But, Phil, we do share a love of SEC football, so I want to jump ahead a little bit. And I got some time to review schedules this week, and, and we've talked a little bit about it. And I want to talk about the SEC East in particular and two teams that I think they got their schedule for 24 Boy, it remade their 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 program, and I want to ask you about. Let's start with Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky has had a favorable schedule, and they've always been able to play the weaker side of the the West. But now Kentucky is starting in twenty four. He's got to step up and play big boy football. Yeah, no more cupcakes, you know. And, and, and this is not any disrespect to Mississippi State, but that's been their crossover. And right. that's one of those where most of the time you got a very good opportunity to beat them. Not always. I mean, Mississippi State has beaten them. But it gives you a fair shake. Uh, but they've had that schedule look. Uh, you know, you don't see Alabama often. You don't see Auburn often. You don't see Texas Sam often. You know, they have to play them at some point, but Kentucky has made a living off of winning four cream puff non-conference games. Early in the year, too. Up, Louisville's been down. And then they'll win two or three conference games against inferior teams, and then everybody talks about how good Kentucky is. And, they, and they've had some good teams. But, you know, them at eight and four is not a real good season to me because of the schedule they have had. Well, they can't hide behind that even more. They're going to have to play with the big boys because uh, that's one thing about it. Your Tennessee's, your Georgia's, your I mean, not not Georgia, but Tennessee's, Alabama's, Auburn's, LSU. They have those quality opponents, and they'll play teams outside the conference that's quality too. You can't say Nick Saban will dodge anybody. He plays Texas last year, Texas this year, next year he goes to Wisconsin. So, you know, now the SEC has it evened out to where everybody nobody's going to have an easy schedule anymore. Yes, and the other team I was going to talk about, I 100% agree. And before we jump off of Kentucky, they usually got that Bandy game in South Carolina early in the year. So it may, uh, you know, game seven 
they're not tested and they're six and one. You know, it, it overinflates maybe their schedule ability. Um, now, Georgia, and, and we want to talk about Georgia only in the reference. Georgia had a home and home schedule with Oklahoma that got canceled because of Oklahoma joining. Their crossover pl- or is Auburn. And Phil, since Auburn has been on the downside, Georgia's schedule has gotten incredibly easy. Not that they didn't deserve the two national champions, but just like this year, until game 11, which is Tennessee and Knoxville, and I guess you still include Florida in the cocktail party, that's that's Georgia's test in 23. Yeah, it's just... It's gravy. I mean, I mean, it, you, you know, I, I'm just going to tell you right now. I'll throw them under the bus. It's gravy. I mean, you can sit and look at their schedule, and you circle Tennessee. That's yeah. their game. The rest of them, they're going to be heavily favored. Unless they just have a hiccup like last year, they almost did against Missouri. That's probably going to happen one time. And if they win that game, they're going to be undefeated when they go to Knoxville. Yeah, there ain't no doubt about it. You know, and it doesn't matter how good or bad they are because they're going to be good. They don't tell. They're talented. Yeah. They've got a great football team, but their schedule is atrocious. Now that we go to this new uh, scheduling, that's going to be of no more. Like next year, they're going to have to play Alabama. They're going to have to play Tennessee. They still got to play Florida. So and, and I think they Texas. also got Texas. Yeah. So now they're not going to be able to dodge the big boys anymore. They're going to have to play everybody just like we do. That's like. When we struggled, we were having to play Georgia, Florida, Alabama, all those teams right in a row. So a lot of times we would have a decent football team and be 0-3 in conference play because yeah. Alabama was a given loss. You just go ahead and say it. You know, at the first of the year, in the middle of the year, we were going to lose to them. So we were 0-1 before season ever started. So, you know, Georgia has been had that schedule luck, you want to say uh, and it's gone well for them. And, and it's not to say they deserve to win that championship. They were, they were the better team. Yep. No doubt they beat Tennessee. They were the better football team. Absolutely. But now they're going to get a little bit more challenged uh, after, after, after this year. And, Phil, part of the reason that I bring this up is I, I think some schools, uh, not, not some schools, all schools that – in the East have struggled over the last 10 years and Tennessee had a good year last year, but as Tennessee comes up, Florida comes down. Um, and, and it's been a, it's been a real roller coaster over in the East. Uh, the power of the SEC has been in the West. Yeah. Yeah. Because your Vanderbilt's Kentucky's Missouri and South Carolina are not going to maintain. They're yeah. going to have good years every once in a while, but they're not going to maintain. You have to look to, Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee to maintain. Florida and Tennessee has not been able to. Nope. Neither one of them has. And so that makes it an easy track for Georgia. And that's really why the West is dominated, just because Tennessee and Florida have not been much of a factor. And so the West is dominated. Well, it kind of sort of swung a little bit last year. Georgia had some success and Tennessee had success against Western teams mm-hmm. that they haven't had before. So, uh, it's kind of changed a little bit. And, of course, with this going to this new system with, you know, with Texas and Oklahoma comes in, everybody's even. No West, no East. You play quality football every week. And uh, bringing Texas and Oklahoma in, everybody in the SEC, I don't know if it'll stay this way, but in 24, all 12 other teams are going to get to 
play either Texas or Oklahoma. And I intentionally think they set up the schedule. So I wouldn't till this week, Phil, but I get your opinion. What do you think of week? Um, what do you think of year one of Oklahoma in the SEC and having Tennessee go there? Which I wasn't even putting two and two together. Basically, they scheduled Josh Heupel to go back to Oklahoma in the first year of Oklahoma being in the SEC. Well, you know, I think they they, they put in some things like that to make it a lot more interesting, a lot more fun. I, you know, that's going to be a fun game. It's going to be fun for Oklahoma fans. Going to be great for Tennessee fans. You know. And that's a great way to kind of sort of kick things off. You wonder if they're not going to play that game early. I, you know, I feel just, like it. I feel you know, like it. It might be the first SEC game. Yeah. I, you know, I feel, I mean, we don't know that yet. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I do think it will, you know, until somebody knocks Georgia off, they are Georgia. They are the Duvine defending national champions and more power to them and Everybody can make fun of Stetson Bennett all they want. He won two. I'd love to win two. But I do think this will make Georgia compete a little more week in, week out than they've had to in 22 and 21, Don't starting in 24. Don't you agree? Yeah, I think it will. It, you know, it's kind of sort of leveled, leveled the playing field for everybody. Uh, you know, and of course, I know we're going to go to a nine-game schedule the next year because – if, if the way they've got it done right now, after this year, you're going to take away the traditional rivals. So they've got to go to a nine-game schedule. Yeah, we you kind of kicked it around one day what Tennessee's schedule would look like if they just rotated everybody off this year and rotated everybody on next year. And there's not – I think the closest game we would play would be South Carolina. Yeah, in Auburn. We would play Auburn, LSU, Texas, Texas A&M. Uh, Missouri, yeah, and uh, so uh, you know, and, and LSU, Auburn, yeah, yeah. It, it would just not be those traditional rivals. Now, Auburn, yes, I'd love to play Auburn every year. It's, it's one of those rivalries where we don't hate each other, it's a very respectable rivalry. I've been to Auburn, I've been to Knoxville, I've watched them, and it's a great fan game because th- that's one of those where the fans don't really hate each other. No, we, you know they have a they have the utmost respect for each other. Well, you know we're the enemy of the enemy too. Yeah, Auburn's the only place you can go and say I hate Alabama at a Tennessee Auburn game, and everybody goes, "Yeah, me too." Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna agree with you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's jump over to the last subject we'll cover tonight. And again, everybody, Coco Kendricks from Hickson High School here at seven o'clock, at eight o'clock, Clayton Lee Powell from Georgia Tech. We'll be here along with our buddy, Howie Chaney. Um, let's talk about the videos that's came out in the last week. Uh, first off, have you seen, uh, or let's let's start with something else. Have you heard the rumblings about Joe Melton and the Manning camp? Oh, oh yeah. How, how strong his arm, arm is where he can throw the yards, the ball 40 yards with like a flick of the wrist. And you know Cooper Manning was amazed how he could, how far he could throw football. Yeah, we saw it. You know, we saw it last year. I remember the Ole Miss game two years ago, that when he threw a ball down into the end zone and it was thrown so hard, it banged off the wall and sounded like a bomb go off went through the receiver's hands. He has a cannon, and I don't see how the receivers catch the football. No, no, I don't either. Hey, I we missed a question uh, from Howie Chaney. We'll go back to Joe Melton. He wanted your opinion, Phil, 
on will the new SEC schedule hurt uh, an SEC team getting in, winning a national championship? Uh, I don't think so, because you're going to have more teams in. I mean, it's set up. We could have. I saw an article where you could have seven teams in from the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, I think a minimum will be three. I think on a poor year, you're going to have four teams in that final 12. Yeah. Now, when you get to that part, is this SEC grueling schedule going to wear teams down? I think so. You know, when you get that far in and you got, and and because you know SEC teams are beat up. They get a little rest during bowl season. And then when they come out in bowl games around New Year's Day, most of them's fresh and they kick your butt. Yeah. Because they're fresh. Now at the end of the season, everybody's beat to death. So you're gonna go right into the playoffs. I think some teams I think some teams by my opinion will suffer. Uh but I think you're still gonna have a couple that come through in the end. I mean, look at LSU and um Florida playing the baseball final. Look how grueling the SEC schedule is. Okay. Well, those two teams finally come out of the pack. You know, maybe some of the teams were just worn out and injury riddled. You don't know. And they're not going to tell you. And that's what happens in the SEC. So, yes, early rounds of the playoffs, I think SEC teams could get hurt by having to play so many games. But still, the cream is going to rise to the top. I agree. I agree. Uh, Okay. Um, Back to Milton. And you were talking about, that pass in the end zone. It, uh, let's go back and just – could you not hear the football pop when it landed? I mean, it was like yeah. – it, it hit so hard that it was like an audible sound even among 100,000 people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's one of them, if you were standing on the field, it's kind of like a guy that can crush a, crush a golf ball. Yes. I guarantee you that football pierces the wind and you can hit it. Well, the, I've heard I've heard golfers hit golf balls, and it sounds like a wiffle ball going down through there. You can just hear it pierce the wind, and I don't doubt if his football is thrown, don't do that. Yeah, he threw one at the Manning camp. I don't know if you've seen this video uh, where Peyton Manning comes out and tell, uh, sends the receiver farther down, farther down, farther down, and Milton just rolls out and throws, flicks it out there about eighty-five yards in the air. Um, Bill, what's he got to do to have success this year? With you know, he's got all the arm strength in the world. He's an athletic guy, but what's he got to do to be successful? Uh, well, you know, and he he's talked about it. He goes, you know, he 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 said he said I want to be like Peyton Manning. I want to be perfect. He said I've got work to do. You know, and I guess you would say I don't. Which you really what you call manage the game, but he needs to concentrate on the little things. He's got the arm. He's going to be able to get the ball there. But you know, his check downs, his reads get people in the right places at the right time. That's what Hendon Hooker was so good at. He would come to the line of scrimmage and he found the mismatch. And that's what Joe Milton's job's going to be. Because Hopple's offense is going to create mismatches. Milton has to find them. All right. I'm going to ask you two different questions here, but they're one question and the same. There is two schools of thought. One, Joe Milton was a failure as a starter at Michigan, got a taste of it at Tennessee and failed. Um, Now, what makes you think it's any different now than the other two? Maturity. Maturity. Okay. Sitting back and watching in maturity, and then he had success in the bowl game. You don't think that gives him confidence 
It's about maturity and making that next step. He's paid his dues just like Hendon Hooker did. You know, Hendon Hooker was not successful completely at where he came from or he wouldn't have came to Tennessee. No. And then he excelled. And what coach would you want to be on your side if you want to be a successful quarterback? And that's Josh Howell. So, so I think maturity is so key. And, you know, and, and really, Hooker had to be perfect. Milton don't have to because I think Tennessee's going to be good enough defensively that Milton doesn't have to be perfect. And also, I think he's going to have a better running game. So what would you say to the naysayers that say, oh, well, Henry Hooker's gone, Tennessee's going to regress. If Josh Heupel took Hendon Hooker from an average quarterback, can he not do the same with somebody with maybe more athletic ability than Hendon? Hendon was great. Don't get me wrong. Not criticizing. Love Hendon. Got two quarterback signed jersey in my office. One of them's Peyton Manning, the other is Hendon Hooker, and I think he means that much to our program. But how are you one of those guys that one of the talking heads that go, Tennessee's going to win eight games without Hendon Hooker? But Hendon Hooker was under Josh Heupel who took him to average to great. How would you address that hater or that press man that now says, well, he can't do it with uh, Joe Milton? Uh, I, you know, I, it's a wait and see. I mean, I may be wrong, but, you know, I just think that uh, Milton's going to be surrounded with a better supporting cast. You know, why was Mac Jones at Alabama so successful? Do you see the receivers he had? Yes. It was unbelievable. Now, Bryce Young last year didn't have those receivers. He had to do it makeshift. He had to make things happen on his own, and he was unreal. It's like the Pete Maravich of football. You know, he, he was just unbelievable. So I don't think that Milton – I think he's going to have a better supporting cast. Got good receivers. They brought in a, a lot better defensive players. They're going to be deeper. Uh, and they're, and he's going to have a running game, I think. I think they can line up. So if they want to run down your throat, they can do it. And uh, so I, I think that Tennessee can pick and choose. They won't all the time be throwing because they have to. Right. They'll be throwing because they want to. Uh, uh, Phil, um, Joe Milton's time that he did get to play last year and the years before, there is a – I don't know how to say it. I tell people that it's – almost an electric excitement when you see him in the game because you just don't know what you're going to see. Have you ever, and I know I saw Heath Shuler play and he didn't have it. Have you ever seen a quarterback, Michael Vick, maybe that could flip his wrist and throw the ball 60 yards in the air? Oh, it's just amazing to watch him. It's just effortless. You know, he's such an outstanding athlete. He's, it just looks like he's just so fluid. Yeah. You know. He, he, you know, he's not in no big hurry. Sits right there, and, and and that's the good thing about him too. He'll sit in there. He'll take a heat. Don't bother. He'll just sit there and he'll just flip it out there. And it's amazing. It's a dart. You better be ready because if you don't catch it, it's gonna stick in your face, man. Yeah, uh, Bars. He was up at Barstool in New York and was playing catch with one of their reporters, Phil, and was just doing a little toss back and forth. And the reporter said, "Let me see a fastball," and he threw one. And the guy was dodging out of the way because as it came to him, like a, a baseball pitch was coming at him. <laughs> That's true. You didn't hit you in the head, you're going to have a concussion. Yeah. yeah. All right. Another uh, in the booth. About 60 years of in the booth with us. 
Uh, and Phil, I appreciate the show tonight. And again, we uh, before we leave, we want to talk one more time about why we have the 33 up and just the meaning and, 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 and everybody can support it. Or do you have, uh, or can you bring next week, maybe we can post some links to put, you know, the, the hospital or the fundraisers or some, some stuff. Well, in time, I've got to go through a training process and okay. I will know more about how to do those type of things. I have to go to, to be an ambassador for Legacy of Hope. Mm-hmm. I have to go through a training program to okay. tell me what to do, how to do it and all those things. Then after that, I will be able to, I will know how to do that because they send you a packet. You have to oh, okay. go through an online training course. And so I don't know a whole lot. All I've got right now is the green bracelets that I have uh, and uh, stickers and a brochure. That's kind of the only thing I've got right now. But well, in the future, I'm going to be able to do that. We can always give to the Randall Cunningham Let's Go to the Buffet Fund because Lord knows, yeah. Lord knows I like to do that too. Yeah, that's expensive. I know. And, and, and you know, buying new clothes at 300 pounds gets expensive. So, uh yeah. I've got to lose well, twenty. Well, maybe maybe you can get some sponsors and they'll furnish clothes. That's well, probably what you need. You need it, to find Nike or Adidas and maybe they'll furnish clothing for you. It's half the size of a billboard. I put it that way. So yeah. <laughs> I tried on my Tennessee jersey for football season. Uh, I've got to lose twenty pounds or spend a hundred dollars on a new jersey. So I, I think I just go ahead and buy a jersey because I don't think I'm losing twenty pounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. I understand. Hey, you know, and when we're talking about the 33, hey, we want some feedback from people. Do they, is it a good name? Do you have some ideas for a name? Uh, yeah. Engage and, and let us know. We, we want to know what you think uh, because, you know, the people out there is part of the show. You know, we want to know what, and what do you want us to cover? What do you want us to talk about? I mean, we can have guests on, but we want to know what the audience wants to hear. You know, and I know – uh, people love stories. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, they love to hear stories about people's success, about how they come from nothing to get where they are. Uh, and that's a huge thing. And, and people need that kind of reinforcement because, you know, people get down, they get in the dumps, they get in a rut. And when they see somebody out there that picks themselves up, it gives them motivation. And that's what life's all about, building relationships and helping others get on their feet again when they're down. Well, you know, yeah, and you know, that's the sole purpose in life to me. That's a good point. And you know, I, I almost forgot to mention something I was excited about today at work. I got a notification and we went over 1800 subscribers to river city media today. And that, that was important to me because 24 months ago, I didn't think I'd ever have 18 subscribers. Phil. Yeah. You know, that's that yeah. meant a lot to me. Yeah, you know, you know, and that's wonderful. You know, and I know you begged me and begged me and begged me to get on this with you, and I've had things to do. Life's been busy, and it really has. It's not really yeah. excuses. It's, but uh, you know, I, you know, I just felt like our friendship. I owe it to you to try to help you succeed in this. And if anything happens to me, that's fine, Daniel. I don't care. But if I can see you be successful at what you do, I want to help you all I can. And, you know, and of course, any of the people that we have on, we want them to be successful. And we want to share their stories, their dreams uh, with everybody else out there because we want everybody. Because if you stop dreaming, you just give up on life. You always want to dream because, you, you know, it's, life's too short. you got to make things happen. Absolutely. And if you're out at 
55 years old trying to start a business. It's nice every now and then to hear a word of encouragement. And Phil, and this is this is show two. We we got plenty of time. We'll get it nailed down. And I have a feeling that this show is going to uh, turn into what we want it to be, which is spotlights on others that spotlight our 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 success because of of God and our faith and 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 our belief and how we've been blessed by some things we've been through. And when you spotlight others, that 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 in terms that that's ultimate success to me yeah and, and lord knows we're going to fail i mean yeah uh, we're not perfect we're going to do the best we can and you know hopefully we'll have some guests on and you and i talked is i talked with steve smith and many people may not know exactly who he is uh but he was he was a coach at cedar bluff coach at piedmont he's now at westbrook christian a man of god loves his kids been successful not only in the game of football but successful in the game of life uh, i've always thought the world of him hopefully i'll send a message to him maybe we can get him lined up and have him on next week yeah that would be that would be a great story and and, and a winner and I, you know people they keep score because you want to win and coach smith is a winner in life and on the football field both yeah, definitely. So, you know, and I've also touched base with Jeff Allen, who's the co-host of the show I'm on. He's, I asked him if he would come on. He said he'd be glad to yeah, uh, I would, and I, share his success. Uh, you know, he was inducted into the Cap County Sports Hall of Fame this past year. I was so glad for him. I was glad they were to share that with the audience late in the year. I couldn't find a way to get it to come in, but I finally was able to work it in and Jeff's one of those people, he doesn't like the spotlight to be on him, uh, but it was an, a wonderful honor for him, and I was so glad for him because he's worked so hard to build the school board show and, and make it what it is, and it's been so successful over the years. And, you know, and, and he's the cog. He is the spoke. And never made it about Jeff Allen and the whole time he's done it. It's about everybody else. No, 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 he's a stickler for getting things right. He wants things professionally done, and he demands it, and, and he gets it. And all of us kind of rally around him because we want to be perfect, too. Well, I, on this podcast, you can't be perfect because I stutter, and I'm going to stutter my way through it every now and then. Yeah, you can't be Howie, right? Yeah, no, I can't be the face of River City Media. Yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah, that's, you know, that's a good thing. You know, I have a, that's what I tell everybody. I don't do that well in public speaking sometimes, but I have the face for radio. And yeah, I know yeah, yeah. There's there's a reason we started in radio and still there. So, Phil, um, we're going to wrap up tonight. But are you excited about high school football starting here in a couple of weeks? Uh, I think oh, it's yeah. about six oh, weeks. Definitely so. I've already tried to map out my things. I, uh, my wife's cousin's son plays at Gordon Lee, and they're playing at Fayette on September third. I'm going to try to go to that one. You know, I'm you know I'm hoping that Bradley Central uh, plays a Thursday night game because I want to go see them play. But I want to see everybody I can see. Yep. You know, football season is an exciting time. I don't get to go to many games. So if there's an excuse to go, when my honey is getting in my car and I'm going to go see somebody uh, because most of the time I'm sitting in a booth. Now, I love it. I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't do anything else because I love it on Friday nights. Uh, it, it's so fun. It's an hour and a half drive to the studio. But it's three hours of fun, enjoyment, 
and uh, and we get a lot of feedback from it. Just, yeah. We've got a huge listening audience that looks, you know, it's we've become a tradition, I think, in Friday Night Football. As soon as your game's over, let's get to the car. Scoreboard show's coming on. Yeah. And, and I hear that time and time and time again. A lot of people like having road games. So that way they can listen to the show on the way home. Yep. And we're going to try to get you up here to Hickson to see a kid, a kid that uh, you and I have been around for years, Isaac Smith, which may be the best kicker in the Chattanooga area. Uh, so Isaac's done well. And Patty him on River City Media a couple of times. And it it's good when you see a kid that was – just wandering around uh, at a Tennessee game. Now, ten years later, twelve years later, he's a high-level soccer player and a very successful place kicker at a major high school here in Chattanooga area. Yeah, and that's good. And you know, and when people like us shows up to see him play, it means a lot to him. It means a lot to the not just him but to his family. Yep. Go out and support your community. That's the number one thing you can do to support these kids. Yes, definitely so. They need your money. You need their money support-wise. Go to the games. You know, get involved. Uh, and the biggest thing, I'll tell you one thing, folks, if you can get out there and referee sports, that's what everybody needs. Yes. Uh, I, I know a guy that's a, a head official. I'd like to get touched up sometime to come on and maybe talk about how important officiating is and try to drum up some interest in that. It's not a hard thing to do, and it's enjoyable. These referees that I know, they enjoy the game as much as we do. Yeah, yeah. I did some, I did some baseball umpiring back in the day, and I, I think everybody that ever had me as an umpire would say, not everyone's cut out to be a baseball umpire. That's all I'm gonna say, Phil. Yeah, hey, I loved. I used to umpire baseball, and that was my favorite. So I don't, I wouldn't referee or umpire nothing else. Yeah, uh, yeah. baseball is fun. It is. It was tremendous fun. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up for the night. Been a good show. Bill Harris, down in uh, northeast Alabama, Randall Cunningham, East Tennessee. We're going to cover Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama. If you got a story in uh, North Georgia, you want to get it on the show, let us know. We love the North Georgia. While we're not neither one there, we love talking about North Georgia too. And yeah, this find is, us some people. Yeah, out there, people find us some people to talk to. We will talk to anybody. We want to promote anybody in this tri-state area. Absolutely, uh, and love to get some. Feedback from Dade County, the one place that kind of gets lost halfway, but it's halfway between everything. But we definitely need to get some feedback from Dade County. Got a lot of listeners down that way too. For Randall Cunningham and Phil Harris, the this week named in the booth, uh, presented by Thirty Three. We'll be back next Monday night. We appreciate you listening and stick with us. We're going to have some fun down the road.